Our scripture reading today is Psalm 123. This is a psalm that's been described as one of the loveliest prayers in all of scripture. Simple and direct, trusting and confident, spoken out of need and in much hope. You'll notice that it's called a song of ascents. It helps to remember that Jerusalem is a city on a hill so that anytime you're going to Jerusalem, you're going up, you're ascending the 15 Psalms of Ascents, 120 through 134. They're mostly shorter psalms. We think that pilgrims would sing them as they walked uphill to Jerusalem. So they're written short enough to memorize. They didn't have cell phones to look at for the words. <laughs> now remember that the Psalms are the words, the voice of human beings, people like you and me, speaking to God. Psalm 123 voices a prayer for help. So listen now for God's word for us in the 123rd Psalm. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress as so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us have mercy upon us O Lord have mercy upon us for we have had more than enough of contempt our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. God. Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One, two, three. Eyes on me. In daily morning assemblies, the principal of Fred Olds Elementary that Sarah and my Paul went to, when she wanted the several hundred noisily chatting students, not to mention faculty, wanted them to get quiet enough for her to talk and be heard. Or when Paul and Sarah's teachers wanted to seize the class's attention, that was the commanding call. One, two, three. Eyes on me. It worked so well that every year usually we'd have this Presbyterian gathering over in Rocky Mount and we'd honor outstanding older adults. We nominated several. Our very first one was Miss Louise. The first year I was here, we nominated Bruce Coates. And there have been other fine folks, Doug and Sharon Hammond, Johnny Wiggins, Brendan Ronnie Norris, Betty Jean Faircloth. Now other folks are outstanding and older, but they don't want to admit it or they want to be, or they don't want to be honored. But that group will they will talk just like those kids in the elementary school because they get it's friendly, nice folks, and they get together and talk, and so we're trying to take a picture of them. The official photographer saying, people, people. And I was watching. He was standing on a ladder, and I was standing on a pew. And we're waiting for people to look at the camera so we won't have them 
everybody with their mouths open or their eyes closed or whatever. And nothing worked. And I said, one, two, three, eyes on me. And they laughed. <laughs> we took the picture. <laughs> It's a great picture. I don't remember which of you guys was in that picture, but it was a... Well, as I read this psalm prayer, I thought about that because of the one, two, three. But also, did you notice what concept, what word came up four times in the first two verses of a four-verse psalm? Eyes. Do you lift, I lift my eyes as the eyes of the servant, as the eyes of the maid, so our eyes look to the Lord. How do we look to God? As servants look to a master, as the maid looks to her mistress. The psalmist is using a literary device called parallelism to make the point and to emphasize it. Parallelism is just saying the same thing twice, but in slightly different words. Saying the same thing twice helps ensure that the listener heard it. That's why we do that to our children and our spouses, right? <laughs> but also it's a way to expand the point. Here the first person looking was male and the second was female, so it covers everybody, right? We all look to God. Now, this psalm begins with an invocation, and a usual element of a lament psalm. Oh, the one who dwells in the heavens. And it's followed by a petition, and it ends with a complaint. It's a two-part prayer. The first two verses affirm trust in God, and the last two verses ask God for mercy, and they tell why. Now, did you notice that it starts as a, an individual prayer? To you, I lift up my eyes. But then in the third verse, it slides right into a, from an individual prayer to a community prayer. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Not only does the psalmist move from I to we, he pleads for mercy from God, from the God whom the book of Exodus tells us as a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Then the psalmist gives us the reason for pleading for God's help. For we've had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the pride. Three times the writer of Psalm 123 tells us three times what's bothering, what's he sick of, what he's headed up to here with. Contempt. Scorn. Contempt. The contempt's one of those good old words that has Latin roots from contemere, which means to look down on, to show no respect for, to despise. It's more than disliking. It's the viewpoint of the smug, the haughty. Betty's daddy used to describe one person as walking like everything below her nose smelled bad. She held her nose high in there. That's a form, one form of contempt. Contemptuous scorn is to see a person as worthless, as deserving no respect. Marriage counselors will tell you that contempt is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You can ride that horse 
but he'll take your marriage to disaster. Psychologists will tell you that contempt will doom any relationship. I was supposed to mediate between a couple of staff members one time, and the first thing the first lady said is, well, I just think you're a liar. It's hard to work with you. I thought, if you start off calling the person a liar, how are you ever going to get along with them? And they didn't. <laughs> I learned that don't let them talk first. <laughs> well, it doesn't take a genius to see that one problem that our nation faces today is there's way too much contempt. Well, especially in our politics, but way too much contempt in almost any public discussion. If you don't believe it, just post an, any opinion online. I saw kind of a contemptuous discussion among Presbyterians about how big a church needed to be to have an associate. And just people took something one way and then took it another and took it all kind of way. Anything. When we lose respect for each other, when we treat each other with contempt, relationships suffer and the consequences will be bad and enduring. Now, the fourth verse is mention of the scorn of those who are at ease. Well, it shows some of the derision that the psalmist wrote about may have been based on economic status contempt. The prophet Amos wrote of the scorn of those who are at ease. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the stall who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp. Now that could have been Britney Spears or it could have been Bieber or it could have been any of a number of other folks. Idle songs like David improvise on instruments of music who drink wine from bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. The scholar Walter Brueggemann says that Psalm 123 presents the humiliated turning from the ones who are at ease to the one enthroned in heaven. A turn that means a departure from contempt and an embrace of mercy. The 31st Psalm pleads to God, let the lying lips be spilled, still that speak insolently against the righteous with pride and contempt. Now, Psalm scholar Betty and I have met uh, years ago in the mountains, said that some, the writer of Psalm 123 may have been referring to the oppressors who derided, who showed contempt for faith in God. Those who demanded as we read, not once but twice in the 42nd Psalm, where is your God? One of the Soviet astronauts was supposed to have said, you know, he went to outer space and looked around and he said, I didn't see any God. Where is your God? Now, I've also read that he didn't really say that. He was actually a, a member of a, of a church. But that was the attitude of a lot of people. I don't see your God. Where is your God? So that raising the eyes to the one enthroned in heaven, it's the pilgrim's answer to that derisive question. Where is your God? Well, here's the gospel truth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Sometimes the message we need to hear when we are suffering, when we are being treated with contempt and scorn, 
the Lord may just be telling us one, two, three, eyes on me. Thanks be to God. Divine ruler, the earth is yours and the nations are your people. Take away our pride and bring to mind your goodness so that living together in this land, we may enjoy your gifts and be thankful for clouded mountains, fields and woodlands, for shoreline and running streams, for all that makes this nation good and lovely. We thank you. For cities where people talk and work together in factories and shops and schools to shape those things we need for a living. We thank you for explorers, planners, statesmen, prophets who speak out and silent, faithful people for all who love our land and guard our freedom. We thank you, God. For vision to see your purpose hidden in this world, nation's history and courage to seek it in truth charity and freedom we thank you lord your justice is like a rock and your mercy like pure flowing water judge and forgive us when we turn from you return us to your way for without you we're lost deliver us O god from a prideful trust and power from overlooking the hurt or needy among us from a lack of concern for other lands and peoples. Eternal God, before you nations rise and fall, they grow strong or wither by your design. Give us a glimpse of the holy city you are bringing where death and pain and crying will be no more and nations gather in the light of your presence. Lord, we pray your blessings on those people that we have named out loud and others on our heart, in our community, and around the world. For those people suffering in Florida from that terrible building collapse. For people who are dealing with drought or wildfires or floods and so many disasters around the world. We pray that you would give them healing and grant them the sure and certain knowledge that they are in the palm of your hand. Pray God, renew this nation and draw us together as one people who do your will so that our land may be a light to the nations, leading the way to your promised kingdom which is coming among us. Show us that there is no law or liberty apart from you and let us serve you humbly as your devoted people through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.